Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It is Thursday. We're getting so close. I'm ready for another round of games. Even though the games this week pretty disappointing. BYU-Tennessee is a highlight, which I guess is why ESPN has it on at 5 o'clock. There's just not a lot of good games this week. College football, I mean, we're all excited for it, but nobody wants to play anybody right out of the gate. A couple leagues... A couple schools will play big non-conference games, and Texas A&M's going to Clemson. And then, because of the way Stanford and USC play Notre Dame late in the year, uh, one in October, one in November, and they flip it every year, they always have a conference game early in the year. So that's, that's good. There's a couple things to jump out there, but it's, it's a little thin. LSU-Texas and Texas A&M-Clemson are the two big national games. And uh, so, Tennessee and BYU, two teams that lost their opener – Somebody's going 0-2, and I really think whoever's at 0-2, their odds of making it to a bowl game get really, really thin. BYU can win this game. I think they can run the ball. Tyson Williams going back to the SEC, South Carolina kid, transferring to BYU. Here are his thoughts as BYU gets ready for Tennessee. What about the humidity and all that? What, what are you telling, telling your teammates? Uh, yeah, it's probably something I need to talk to them more about, but for me, it's something I'm used to. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out how, how I adjust because I don't know if I've gotten all the way adjusted to the air out here or if I'm still kind of adjusted to the air back that way. So uh, it's going to be interesting for me to see once I get off the plane. School started up. How was the first day of class for you? Uh, first day of class was, was always good. You know, it's always kind of going over the syllabus, talking about general things about the semester. So the first day is never too bad. How was this weekend for you? I mean, breaking down the film. I mean, what was the morale like for, for you and the guys? Yeah, I think, like I said, I mean, we're coming off a loss. So uh, I feel like we all made a lot, of, a lot of mistakes in that game. So just trying to go back to the film, correct those things, just so we can kind of have those things uh, like prepared and not make those same mistakes going into this next game. Describe to me the feelings that you were feeling with your first touchdown for BYU. Oh man, uh, it was a little late, but like I say, I, I just, I was just, I was just having fun, man. And um, like I said, I just wish you could have came out on the other side of it. But um, that was a great atmosphere, and uh, that was a great opponent we played also. So um, just had a lot of fun throughout the whole day. What comes to mind when people bring up Tennessee to you and your, your thoughts about Tennessee? What kind of stands out of their traditions or whatever? Yeah, I mean, people, a lot of people just always ask you about the, the venue, just the stadium, um, just being in Neyland and stuff like that. So um, the time I played there, it was a noon game. So I don't know if the fans were just all the – they probably weren't all the way up yet. And then, you know – Maybe not lubricated. Yeah, so um, we pretty much controlled the game throughout. So they didn't really do too much. But uh, like I said, that's, that is – I remember just pulling up to the stadium. I was like, yeah, this, this state – my stadium was pretty nice, but um, other than that, man, you know, you're going to a hostile environment. You just got to be ready. When, when you're going to a place that's iconic like Neyland and, and checkerboard end zones and 100,000 people and all that, do you ever kind of take a moment to sort of compartmentalize and, and say, like, okay, I got to remember this memory and now it's all business sort of thing? Uh, I think I did that a little bit. Like, the first, the first time you go to a stadium, you kind of do that kind of stuff. You're like, oh, man, like your first time seeing something. but Take a selfie. Yeah, I mean, I, no, I'd probably take a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't take a selfie, but you just kind of look around a little bit and then, you know, you're like, hey, let's get to business. But, I mean, it's my second time seeing it. So it's just like, have you ever rode on a roller coaster a bunch of times? Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, it's kind of like, all right, I've done it so many times, like, you kind of lose the feeling. So Just yeah. get to the front of the line. Yeah, now. just get to the front of the line. Let's do it. Let's get to business and let's get to work. If you had your druthers, how many carries would you want in the game? Uh, whatever it takes to win the game. Um, that's kind of just 
how I feel, you know, because uh, sometimes you may not need to run it as much, and sometimes you, you, may, you, may, you may have to. So I think it's just um, just based on the game and how the game flows. And, um, you know, I trust Coach Grimes and Coach Stewart, and I hope my offensive staff will we'll do, we'll do, we'll, we'll do you know, what it takes to uh, win the game. But both you and Tennessee come off of kind of tough losses this past week. There's going to be a lot of hunger on both sides. Yeah. How do you think your hunger is going to match up with their hunger? Uh, I can't really speak for them, but I know you know we want to come and, and rebound from a loss. So um, we're just cleaning up everything right now. Uh, watch the film and uh, just coming out of practice is getting better each and every day. So uh, we're looking to rebound. You know, after coming off of last week. What were the major positives that you took away in that tough week that you felt you could build upon going forward with Tennessee specifically? Uh, I just I felt like we were there. You know, it wasn't like um, was it 69 going to halftime. So um, I think you know we, we all made some mistakes, and you know we cleaned up those mistakes. Um, I think it's a different outcome. There's Tyson Williams as BYU gets ready for Tennessee. Now Tennessee gave up more than 200 yards rushing to Georgia State last week. Any chance Jeff Grimes wants to run the ball on a regular basis and see if he can wear down that defense? Because Georgia State sure did. Here's the BYU offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes. Uh, don't score enough points and you um, don't win the game, then you know it's hard to say any individual played well enough. Um, so there were certainly things for them for them to work on. Um, little details, you know, we had a false start on a critical third and one. You know, we had two two bad snaps, um, and you know, little things like that that could have done better. But overall, a good start. What type of an impact does a lengthy losing streak against a rival potentially have on a program, if if any at all? I don't know. I can't worry about that right now. We'll worry about that after this season's over. Right now, we got to focus on Tennessee. How has the urgency been, you know, since losing, since that loss, you know, in practices day two of, of practices since that loss? Really good. I felt like we had one of our best hard-nosed, lengthy Tuesday-type practices that we've had this camp today. How have you felt about, you know, how did you grade out the wide receiver performances against Utah? You know, okay. We just didn't make enough plays, and there were times where they. Um, they they allowed themselves to get covered by man by man coverage and then on the other side of it is I got to give credit to Utah because they they cover well and they've got some good players over there. You guys coached in the SEC. You went to Auburn. You've been to LSU. What's the environment like for you having experienced Tennessee already? It's a fun place to play. I've been there um, both at Auburn and when I was at LSU and it's a beautiful venue. Um, a lot of fans and. You know, I told our offense today it'll be a great opportunity and, and hopefully a great memory for you to talk about after this Saturday. Does your experience in Wisconsin last year, I think, help your guys be prepared for the type of environment they'll face with that 100,000 fans? Well, I, ho- I hope so. I hope that, you know, a game like that showed them that we can go into a hostile environment and play with anyone. However, it's about this Saturday. It really doesn't have anything to do with, with Wisconsin last year. Any chance of position changes potentially that maybe can maximize and give you the best 11 on the field? Position changes? Like the guys that, you know, maybe get them in a different spot to get them on the field and maximize their talents? Well, I think we've moved a a number of guys around in a number of different spots. I mean, we played um, 11 in a number of different spots. We played Matt Bushman in a number of different spots. We we played Jaron Hall in a number of different places. Um, So I think we're moving our guys around um, pretty well and putting them in different spots. We've got to execute and make plays. Will Asukba be uh, available this week? Yes. Jaron Hall, when you brought him into that game, did you feel like it maybe disrupted Zach at all in terms of the flow of him being with the offense at all? No. They're used to it. They've done that all camp, and and uh, 
Zach's a champ. He's not going to be bothered by anything like that. What connections to, to Tennessee staff, if at all, do you do you have on a personal level? Um, you know, I've I've just coached against a few of those guys a little bit, but not really not really close friends with any of them. But I have a great deal of respect for for that staff, particularly um, Coach Pruitt and the defensive staff. I've been around those guys and, and coached against them, and and I know they'll have their team ready to play. Is it almost like a, a more difficult situation for your guys with them coming off what they consider a historic loss? I mean, just does it amplify that, hey, your guys got to be ready to go and, and not look at these guys lightly? Um, I think we're hungry to play regardless. How do you feel your offensive line played against Utah? I consider one of the best defensive lines in the country. I thought it was a good start for him. I, I did. I felt like um, they were they were prepared. I thought Coach Mateos did a great job getting them ready um, for the for the challenge, and I thought they stepped up to it. In particular, uh, Brady Christensen played really well, graded out at ninety one percent against a really good player. And so, overall, I thought it was a nice start for him. Much has made him out the the pick sixes, but how impressed were you with Zach to to in the offense in general to lead a, a scoring drive after that first pick six and still be able to move the ball and not get rattled? Well, that doesn't surprise me, and Zach has shown that he can he can step back up to the challenge after making a mistake. Um, he just got to do a better job taking care of the ball. And, and those those interceptions, um, as is often the case, weren't all his fault. There were there were receivers who could have done a better job running their routes. Um, on one of them, we could have had a little better protection. And so it doesn't all fall on him, but the bottom line is we trust him with the football, just like a basketball team would trust a point guard with the ball. And so he knows he's got to do a better job of taking care of it. I know a lot of people made a lot of Tyson and trying to get him more carries. Kalani said on Monday that you only have 15 snaps in the second half. How tough was that to game plan with having that limited number? Well, we we had a lot more a lot more plays ready to call, that's for sure. Um, but the bottom line is we didn't get more plays because we turned the ball over twice. And so two of those drives ended in us giving it to the other team. They resulted in 14 points, and honestly, that was the difference in the game. We were right there in it in the first half, and we gave those guys 21 points. Can't do that. There's BYU's offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes. We're going to take a break. When we come back, the life of Riley, Riley Nelson and Riley Jensen. Riley Nelson, BYU analyst, joins us next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Riley Nelson, BYU football analyst, joining DJ and PK right now on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Morning, fellas. Riley, you approach the game with a quarterback's brain, even though now you're up in the booth, not getting hit out on the field. And so I'm curious, because I'm sure you've gone back and watched some stuff. What did you see watching tape that you didn't see watching the game and you think, well, if they'd have fixed that, it would have made a huge difference? Yeah, great question. Um, the, the one thing that I didn't realize as much, because it was overshadowed by the mistakes, and I think uh, the fan in me is a little bit uh, same, you know, is guilty just as much as the general fan base, and that you, I, I, I put too much emphasis on how much the don't get me wrong, the pick six has definitely affected the game, 
But what that overshadowed for me was how hard Utah's defense really made life on BYU. So one thing I, I didn't, while I was watching one-on-one matchups and I was able to recognize that Utah was playing pretty much man coverage from about the middle of the second quarter through the, through the end of the game, was there was very little separation, if any, for many of the wide receivers on BYU. And then the, the other question begs, you know, why, why did they not establish a run game? And, and the reason for that was the front seven for Utah, and this is no surprise to anybody, but they, it wasn't like they were playing in BYU's backfield, right? BYU's offensive line did a good enough job to keep them at bay, but they were playing such disciplined, well-executed football to make the run game so incredibly hard on BYU that they couldn't establish. And so it, while it wasn't super flashy and the, and the pick sixes, you know, one was a tip ball, the other one was kind of a, you could, a BYU fan would classify it as a fluke as Zach Wilson you know, gets shoestring tackled as he's releasing the ball. Um, but that overshadows truly how hard Utah's defense made life on BYU. So Tom Brady at 42 will throw interceptions, right? So they're going to happen from time to time. You just hope to minimize them or you hope that, uh, you know, it's on a bomb and the player goes down. Certainly the worst case scenario is the pick sixes. With Zach Wilson just entering his sophomore year and starting his seventh or eighth game, whatever it might be, how long does it really take before you have a full grasp of what you're trying to do, knowing even, as I say, at that point, you're still going to throw a pick or two? Yeah, I'd probably say, and it's different for every player, but I'd say somewhere between 10 and 15 starts. Uh, it depends a little bit on on the, uh, on the the you know, the coaches and the, and the way their style of coaching. Some coaches really drill into your mind, like those – you know, the very specifics, the progression of the read, timing it up with your feet and, and have a lot of set of rules, others. And, and I get the feeling from, from just a little bit of being around practice and being in the game, Coach Roderick is more kind of letting them play. He doesn't want, he doesn't want them to be robotic, wants them to be out there um, playing instinctive and athletic. And that, that's not a bad thing. It's just that you may erase some of the mistakes a little bit more but uh, the the thing that you hope, and, and what I hope for, for Zach Wilson in this offense, that, that second interception was one where um, obviously, you know, they, they had gone down. It was a big drive. It was everybody in the stadium felt like, okay, BYU needs to answer. BYU needs to not only – they need points at a, at a bare minimum, but they really need to put the ball in the end zone if they're going to make a game out of this thing. And Zach was really, really pressing in that moment. He, as you look back at that second interception, um, he threw it to the short side of the field where Utah was playing a combo coverage, and really the receiver was kind of had three defenders within 10 yards of him. When up top, they were playing, they had an isolation man on man. Now maybe he didn't love the matchup, and and I, you know, and there maybe that wasn't coached. Maybe they had something else drawn up. But as you look at it, that was one where maybe he felt the pressure and, and forced and tried to win the ball, win the game on one throw. And those are the mistakes that I think can be eliminated from game to game. He's far enough into his progression um, and has enough starts under his belt that mistakes like those I hope to not see again. So when you talk, Riley Nelson joining us, a BYU football radio analyst. When you talk about BYU's inability to run the ball, Tyson Williams did have seven carries for 45 yards. Now, maybe they didn't get him the ball that much late in the game and build on those numbers because they only had 15 snaps or something like that in the second half. 
do you think he's 20 carries for 100 yards against Tennessee? Because Tennessee gave up 213 yards rushing to Georgia State. It seems like the game plan going forward ought to be make sure they run Williams. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, DJ. And also, if you look at the success in their best games last year, they were able to establish the run. Uh, you look at the upset that they pulled in Camp Randall last year against Wisconsin. You look at some of their better games down the stretch, and they were a heavy. They were probably 60-40, if not two-thirds, one-third run-pass ratio. And so not only um, did Georgia State expose a vulnerability in Tennessee's defense, but uh, that's also when BYU, uh, at least under Coach Grimes, is playing their best football is when they're running the ball, and they're running the ball both for volume and effectiveness. And so that's something I hope to see. Now, watching that Tennessee-Georgia State game, uh, you talking about the rush game, it's not all on the tailback. That uh, that quarterback for Georgia State did a good job of minimizing um, minimizing errors or minimizing risk by using his legs to go and get first downs. I'm not saying Zach's got to turn into you know a, a runner or or expose himself to extra punishment, but he's got to be really smart and judicious and and pulling it down, using his legs to go, which he did a couple times against Utah. But uh, I hope he would he would continue and, and maybe expand on that a little bit more against Tennessee, seeing how effective Georgia State's quarterback was in contributing to that 200-plus um, team rushing number. So given the fact that Tennessee went 5-7 and seven last year, I think they were 2-6 and six in conference. The year before, they were 0-8 in conference. And they're obviously not the Tennessee that we've known that won six national titles and all that stuff. And then they lose to Georgia State. Is it too dramatic to say this is a must-win for BYU? Um, I don't think it's too dr- – well, I guess that would depend on – on uh, what you what you think or hope BYU to accomplish, I, I think most fans are still. You know, we're only one week into the season, and uh, for for them to accomplish goals of improving on last year's record, so that was seven wins, and, yeah. and so in hopes to get eight or nine wins, I think this is a must win. And then also from the standpoint, I mean, if uh, from the standpoint of just maintaining your fan base and keeping the interest level high and keeping you know a full stadium throughout the rest of the home game slate, I think, yeah, it is a must-win from that standpoint. But it, it, from if I were a player or a coach, I don't think this is a must-win. This is, this is a must-improve. I mean, you have to come out, and you can't. We, you know, the interceptions are some of the more visible mistakes, but there was a, a plethora of mistakes made on defense. Guys not being disciplined and maintaining contain, letting the runner bounce outside, guys not making their fits. Guys kind of playing hero ball, thinking that they can, you know, shoot in the gap to try and make a play in the backfield, and realizing that Utah was just, you know, leisurely running the other way, and that their, you know, their big risk was that they came up extremely empty-handed. So, from a program player standpoint, this is one where you have to definitely take a step forward. Um, if you you have to be competitive, this has to be a game that in the fourth quarter, rather than your opponent running down the last nine minutes and 19 seconds doing nothing but running power and isolation plays, uh, that can't happen again. This has to be one where you're playing all four quarters, you're in it all four quarters. If the ball doesn't bounce your way, it's not the sky is not falling. Um, but you do have to show some signs of improvement if, if you're going to make anything of this season. So are they going to have a great matchup at tight end game after game? Because you were talking earlier about how good BYU's defense is, and it looked like 
that was something, or excuse me, you were talking about how good Utah's defense was, and it looked like BYU could throw to the tight end. Uh, I don't know if any time they needed to. That might be an overstatement, but they could throw there most of the time. Yeah, it, it definitely was in one-on-one coverage uh, for sure. If you, if you notice um, late in the second half, uh, probably the last two offensive drives in the second half and then all through the third quarter, Utah um, was – they were running a lot of man blitz, blitzing that extra guy or man spy, uh, Wilson, but they took that extra defender rather than blitzing him or spying the quarterback, and they bracketed Bushman. They did that in the second half. So And, and – that's why he didn't catch any balls. You know, that's why he kind of disappeared after uh, initial good performance. But yeah, he does. I mean, th- that catch early on the back shoulder, he had a distinct size advantage and obviously made it look pretty easy. He's a good route runner in zone. Um, I-, I think they can have it most any time they want, assuming that he's not being doubled like Utah did to him in the, in the second half of the game, which I fully expect from here on out because if you're a defense watching that team, no one really you don't see really anybody that can hurt you uh, except for Bushman. And so it's worth, you know, assigning two defenders to limit his production. From a starting quarterback standpoint, what do you think of bringing in somebody to take a couple snaps here and there in a wildcat or whatever it might be like they did with Jaron Hall? Yeah, um, we did my senior year. We did that with Taysom Hill. Um, obviously, you know, some people are somewhat surprised at that dude's athletic ability, but the second he walked off the plane and came down to BYU, we saw that, like, this guy was a freak, and and so we did that. I Selfishly, <laughs> PK, uh, he probably – there was probably three or four red zone touchdowns that uh, I probably could have thrown. They could have padded <laughs> my numbers a little bit, so selfishly I was, I, I'm against it from that standpoint. But from a production standpoint – you need to, in my opinion, you need to make sure the guy that's substituting is is that kind of a guy. In other words, he's a guy that can come in cold off the bench, but he's he's a, a calculated killer. Like the moment doesn't get to him, um, and he's going to go in there and execute and be special, even if it is one play every quarter or one or two plays throughout the course of a game. What you can't do is just you can't get caught up in the scheme of it. The reasons why coaches love throwing a guy in like that is because, all right, even though we may only run five or six plays with this guy, the defense is going to have to spend a misproportionate amount of time preparing for this package. So it's not so much that the package will be super effective, but rather it's sucking up time and it's one more thing that the defense has to spend practice time on. You can't get caught up on, on that ideology. You, In my opinion, the, you have to be locked in that that guy that you're subbing in is going to come in and make a difference uh, and be sure. Much like, like I said, I mentioned Taysom Hill. I, before he got hurt and he only played the first five games of that season, but I think he had four or five touchdowns, two passing and two rushing. So he was extremely effective in that pack in that package and as a starting quarterback ultimately I'm about winning the football game so if a guy's producing like Taysom did for us back in 2012 I don't I don't have a problem with it but if you're just doing it to try and confuse the defense or cause them to burn a timeout but the overall package has the potential to be a liability for you then I think you got to scratch it and keep your guys in there. You know we can talk X's and O's and matchups and all that stuff all day but how much do you think the team's going to be capable of shaking off a loss to Utah because it's something they pointed to for a long time and being 100% focused on Tennessee or do you think there's a hangover? DJ that is what I was talking with some coworkers yesterday to me the keys to this game have nothing to do with the athletes it has nothing to do with size matchups you know recruiting stars or anything like that it's all about 
who's going to respond better mentally because both these programs are in similar places. You could argue who's feeling you know, who's feeling worse about themselves. But the reality is the team that is going to lose on Saturday is going to be the team that has self-pity, is going to be the team that, uh, you know, is is feeling sorry for themselves, is going to be the team that starts fighting, blaming the offense for this, blaming the defense for that, losing trust in their teammates. It's too early in the season for all of that. But, no, even the best programs aren't immune to it when – you're either BYU taking your ninth straight loss to your rival or you're Tennessee who pretty much everybody's jumped off their bandwagon and you lost to Georgia State, your first non-Power 5 home loss in however many years. So it's all going, this is going to all be about who can respond mentally, whose upperclassmen leadership steps up, what coaching staff rallies to make sure that their guys, they maybe close the gaps of in preparation that they had before. And, and and make sure that their guys meet a higher standard for this week and and come out swinging. That to me, what this whole game comes down to, and in a way, that's why I'm extremely excited because I love that as- aspect of the game. It was an aspect of the game I always felt like I had a clear advantage was in my my mindset and my mental preparation. And I think it can it can make much more of you a, as a player if if that part of your game is right, if your mind and mentality is right. You can be, you know, a, a far greater player than your physical um, capabilities would lend you to be. And BYU can clearly schedule seven, eight wins if they wanted to, and with their independent schedule, much like they had back in the old days, where they're in the WAC and then later in the Mountain West, and then play two or three big name programs and see what you do there. Now, obviously, it's flipped a little bit, and they're playing six, seven, eight big name programs, and maybe only two or three guaranteed wins and I'm wondering you as a player what not as a fan but as a player what would you prefer as far as a schedule being an independent yeah I would prefer to play the logos I mean my my senior year we played against Notre Dame who was at their place and ended up they were number two ended up losing to Alabama the national championship Oregon State who that year (laughs) that was before they fell off a cliff I, I think they were ranked like 10 or 12th, came into our house. You know, so lost another game by Phil Gall, lose Oregon State by a touchdown. Um, we'll go up and play Boise, who was the 16th ranked team uh, in the country, and lose by a, lose by one point going for a two-point conversion. And uh, I, my point, my as a player, my philosophy was I'd rather step in the ring with like a Muhammad Ali and perhaps, you know, and, and maybe get – beat up but at least I was in the ring and competed and and I tried myself against the best um so that that's my philosophy as a player my philosophy now is kind of a fan and someone who wants the best for the program is actually opposite of that I think fans need wins no matter where they come from and it's probably a better scenario if you're let's say BYU you know schedules those let's say they go 11 and 2 but the strength of schedule is really weak and so you, you know I think 11 and 2 you're sneaking into the top 25 regardless it's a much better. It's much better to have fans complain about the fact that, oh, we're only ranked 21st. If we had a little bit better of a schedule, we could get down into the teens. As opposed to, man, we just keep you know six and six is really boring, and I don't want to go see the team anymore. So there, there, there you go. Riley, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Enjoy the trip to Tennessee, and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks, fellas. Talk to you next week. There's BYU radio analyst and former BYU quarterback Riley Nelson. When we come back, Riley Jensen, former Aggie, our college football insider. Stay with us. 
Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Diamond Airport Parking. Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car-to-curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. That's Diamond Airport Parking. Time to talk a little college football now with Riley Jensen, our college football insider. He joins us now. On the Sprint special guest line, get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Dudes. Dudes. We learned a lot this weekend. You we learned a lot. Talk to me. Give it to me. Let me have it. <laughs> what did you learn, PK? What did you learn is what I want to know. What did I, I mean, learn? You're a lifetime learner. You're a lifetime learner. You're a guy who never stops learning. I want to hear what you learned. Well, are we speaking life? Are we speaking football? Hey, you can, hey, talk to me, PK. I'm interested in you, whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why we're having you on, to have me talk. I get oh, okay. It. Uh, okay, I, okay. The, the one thing, I, I don't know that I learned it, but it was further uh, in proven, is that Utah's offense, if they don't make mistakes, they're going to win a ton of ball games, and that offense is going to do everything possible to eliminate mistakes. I don't think they they need a whole lot of big plays to win games. They got to do what they do, and don't screw it up, and they'll be fine and dandy. Yeah, I think I think there's I mean, a couple things that were nice reminders from last weekend. If you're a quarterback for a Division One team, try to reduce turnovers. <laughs> right? Like, I mean. You know, people are complaining about Tyler Huntley. He goes 13 for 16. No no interceptions. His team wins. you got Jordan Love that throws for 400, has three huge interceptions, and then you and you got Jack Wilson that threw, obviously, two pick sixes that he'd love to have back. And then I think the other thing that we learned that I think is a super important piece, and it kind of goes along with what you were just saying, PK, is that the University of Utah's offensive line answered every question that you need to know. They answered every single question. And I know you, you can throw it at me, well, BYU's defensive line isn't that great. Well, they answered the question. They, they pounded the rock. They protected the quarterback. They did what they're supposed to do. And I thought there was some very physical play from a few of them. So this all begs the question, what questions remain and what questions could possibly be answered when you watch Utah play Northern Illinois? assuming you're going to that game or have the Pac-12 network on Comcast? Well, I think this is where these games, when, when you're a P5 school, become important, is these next two games for the University of Utah. You can work on some of the passing game. You can work on some of the wrinkles that you need to do. Obviously, you're still going to come out and you're going to pound the rock, and you're still going to do the things that you always do, play good defense, play solid special teams. And, and you're going to win these games, but you can you can you, you can afford to throw in a couple of extra passes here and there on different drives with Tyler Huntley to make sure that he's understanding where he's supposed to be looking and what what type what type of reads that he needs to be making. Now, look, 
he was 13 to 16. It wasn't a ton of yards. Uh, I think the biggest problem that I had with Tyler is there was too many question mark throws instead of exclamation point throws. And, and when I say that, it's just there was a couple where he looked like he was double he was double pumping again, and there was a couple. Even on one of the throws, I think it was the throw to the tight end, I felt like he guided the throw. Like he, The guy was so wide open, he was just being careful. And and the tight end dropped the ball anyway. But it was like, I, I really feel like you could watch a quarterback, and if you're not even watching the play downfield, if you were just looking at him, you can almost tell whether it's going to be a completion or not by the body language of his throw. And I thought there was too many, too many throws on – Thursday of last week where Tyler Huntley just had kind of a body language like, oh, I'm not sure, but I'm going to go with this, right? I, I want to see him go 13 for 16 in the game, and every single throw was like, yep, this is the right read. And regardless of whether this guy catches or not, you know, I'm going to put a, a catch it or wear it ball on his face mask and make him make him wear it if, it, if, it, if, it's, not, if it's not catchable to him. And so... I, that's what I'm looking for out of Tyler, and I think you can work on that the next two weeks. That's where it's difficult for somebody like, you know, Zach Wilson, who's playing, and you guys were the ones who brought this up to me, and it's so astute and so so true, is BYU's playing a P5 schedule, but they're not really playing a P5 schedule because they play it front-loaded. They don't get to work on anything early in the season. You don't get to, like, try and find out, like, which plays really work for Zach Wilson and for the running backs and for the running game. It's hard because can't make mistakes against these athletic teams even somebody like Tennessee this week like if you, if you throw two pick sixes against Tennessee like they're 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 most likely not going to win this game and so you, you don't get to you you have to grow up fast in that front loaded schedule and that's really really hard why do your Aggies continue to gag on the road against power five teams why <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, look, this is, it was really, really, that was a, I, I was in a bad mood all day Saturday over that you. game. And I think it's because of the past, right? You look at the Wisconsin, you look at Auburn, you look at the Oklahoma game, you look at Michigan State last year, you look at all these different games where yeah, it's like, you get to the last quarter and it's fart, fumble, and fall down if you're an Aggie fan. And you're just like, oh my gosh, are you freaking kidding me right now? Are yeah. you kidding me right now? And, and, I, and I think it has to do with just breaking through. You, you know, I, feel, I, I remember when Gary Anderson was the coach at Utah State the first time he told me, you know, the biggest thing that he was fighting is that here we go again attitude. And he felt like, and, and and that was just overall in every game, right? And he felt like there was a game against Hawaii early in his career there where they came back and they didn't say, here we go again. They came back and they won the game. But I think that they're still fighting that psychological thought process when it comes to, like, P5 teams and when it comes to, like, big games on the road. They're still... There's still that mindset of like, oh, here we go again. We're in a close game, and we've made a couple of mistakes here, and there's no way we can pull it out. And until they break through on that, they're not going to be a team that gets recognized nationally in the in the group of five type of thing, like Boise State, who can win a game against Florida State on the road, right? Who has won those P5 games, and like the University of Utah used to win those 
those big games when they were in the Mountain West Conference. And, and I think that's the next step for the program. It really is. They've got to win one or two of those games so that people at the first of the year start going, oh, wow, what, did you see that? You know, I mean, if Jordan Love throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns and one pick and they win by 14 points on the road, people are going, well, God, I know it's just Wake Forest, but, dude, this guy freaking shredded it today. Right. And and I think it's I, – I really think it's that psychological thing that Utah State has to get through to be recognized on a, on a bigger scale in football, and, and we're just not there yet. And hopefully you get there, but, man, it's frustrating as an Aggie. I mean, that, that Wisconsin game a few years ago drove me crazy. The, the Auburn game where you're up 10 points with, like, less than two minutes to go and they get an onside kick. I mean, it, it felt like that. And that, you know, that, that interception by Jordan Love, who's a Heisman Trophy candidate, supposedly – where we don't even get a chance to kick a field goal to tie it. I mean, it just, man, it was it was deflating as a as a former player. Just really hoping for that win to come sooner than later. Is BYU going to pull themselves together? Go against a Tennessee team that needs to pull itself together too. You're the mental you're the mental strength coach here, and it seems like both these teams are beaten down pretty good. Yeah, I think. I think you'll see both teams improve quite a bit. Um, I think, you know, obviously when you start to see that Georgia State's ahead, you, you switch over real quick and you watch some of that game. And, you know, Tennessee is still very – when, when I'm watching the game, I still felt like they were the, mo, the more athletic team than Georgia State. But Georgia State was just – I mean, they were pounding the rock on them. Um, there was a lot of undisciplined plays by Tennessee. Um you know, if if Tennessee's watching the BYU game, they're feeling like they can pound the rock, they can do some different things. I think both teams will be significantly improved this week. And then psychologically it'll be the one it'll be the team that that shakes off the cobwebs from last week faster. Right? So they're not thinking in their head, you know, like, Oh, we should throw right now because we threw two pick sixes last week or if the offensive or the defensive coordinator for Tennessee is like, who I don't know if I want to bring that run blitz package again because we got burned by Georgia State last week. You know, you still have to run your stuff. You just have to fix your mistakes. And the team that is most resilient, that can focus on what's most important right now, right here, right now, in this moment, in this game, and not thinking about last week and not thinking about next week, is going to be the team that eliminates the most mistakes and can get back on track with both of these teams, both Tennessee and BYU, desperately need to to regroup and get some confidence this week. And uh, it'll be interesting to see who can do that because, I mean, I think the thing that's hardest that, that people don't really talk about is, is you are talking about 18 to 22-year-olds, and these coaches' livelihoods depend on these guys. And... You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure PK was super smart and had it all figured out from 18 to 22, but I didn't. You know, and I I thought I I thought I thought I knew everything at 18 to 22, and so it's hard to get these guys like back on track and get them focused on the things that are most important. And I think that's what makes a great coach is these guys that can motivate and inspire and and refocus time after time after time an 18 to 22 year old male. 
do you think the Cougars will have more success or more opportunity to run the ball, and will they? Yeah, I think I think they're going to run the ball better. Um, I obviously don't think that this defensive line is anywhere near what BYU went against last week. Um, excuse me, the defensive line for Tennessee is not as is not as good as what they went what BYU went against last week. But I, I, you still have to be fundamentally correct and. You know, I, I would like to see Tyson Williams get more carries. I would like to see Lopini Katoa get in there and, and be a nice offset to him. But I'd like to see them establish the run, use some play action, get some get Zach Wilson some confidence, and maybe get ahead in this game a little bit and make make Tennessee play from behind and see see if you can't pound that rock. I mean I mean I saw the tweet from you, David, this morning where 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 the playbook is there, and I would expect them to follow a lot of what Georgia State did to be able to win this game. COC Mariner, when he was at Utah, uh, 15 catches one year, 20 catches another, 17 catches a junior year. How does he go out and basically have half a season's production on the road against a Power 5 team, not, not some bottom-of-the-barrel Mountain West team? How does he go out and do that PK and I were talking about this debating. We said earlier in the week, we have to ask Riley when he comes on, how much of it is getting coached to go make a play as opposed to getting coached, you know, don't mess this up, protect the defense, don't turn the ball over, don't turn the ball over, don't turn the ball over? Well, it certainly, I mean, it certainly looked like a different player to me. I mean, everybody was talking to me at Utah State about how good CLC Mariners going to be, and I'm like, how? I mean, like, it's like you said, 17 catches, 20 catches. You know, I, I mean, I, it felt like in that game he had more big plays than he did in his whole Utah career to me. And it's not like it's not like I, I I didn't think he was terrible, but it wasn't like I was going, God, you can count on that guy to be a playmaker. But in this game, I think there was two things that I was thinking to myself. Number one, um, you know, a quarterback – that knows where he's going with the football and understands the matchups and understands different things can can make a difference, right? He's playing he's playing with with a significant quarterback right now, and and so it makes it so the whole field's open, not just one part of it. Um, he's playing in an offense where they're trying to take advantage of his matchup, and then I think I don't know. Sometimes in my head, I was just thinking, man, maybe a fresh start. Maybe some new teammates, maybe just a new start sometimes is just just what the doctor ordered, right? But I I I haven't seen in the last ten years, I haven't seen Utah attack the field the way that Utah State attacks the field offensively. And I I gotta be honest, I, you know, I was really, really impressed that the offense didn't miss a beat from, from Yost switching over to Safford this year, right? I thought it was a great offense. The danger of Utah State's offense is exactly what happened to them, is three key turnovers. I mean, there was one in the end zone, there was one coming out of his own end zone, and then there was one in the two-minute drill. And so that's where you kind of look at it and you go, well, you know, there is some wisdom in what Kyle Winningham does. Like, yeah, there's not wide receivers putting up eight catches for 117 yards and a touchdown every week. But they're not making the big error that loses a game. And so, you know, um, the Utah State has got to eliminate some of those things. It was fun to watch 
uh, Mariner go out and make all those plays and really see the type of receiver that he probably was coming out of high school and that he was there at the University of Utah and it just wasn't exploited and it just wasn't used in a way that was um, – you know, conducive to University of Utah's offense. I think you have to put some of that on Troy Taylor too. Like, how did, how can a guy like that make all those plays against Wake Forest, and you didn't notice that for two, three years that you were at the University of Utah? To me, that that's a little bit of a glaring mistake. Riley, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for talking a little college football with you and with us, and we will uh, talk with you again next week. I can't wait. You guys are awesome. Thanks for having me on. There's our college football insider, Riley Jensen. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. If you're going to miss any part of this show, check it out every day online. Our show is, uh, you can get it wherever you get podcasts. You can go to 1280thezone.com. You can go to Stitcher. You can go to iTunes. You can go to Google Play. You know all the usual places. It's everywhere. So if you can't hear our show, you got something going on, you got to be in at work or whatever, and you can't listen, uh, make sure you get the show on the podcast. 1280thezone.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.